When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to the family with Maskmaster Ralph Dwyer Basham, MD. Timely co host Catherine Brandt. Yeah, <laughs> and Andy Brandt Bernard. Timely. <laughs> Great segments coming up, ladies and gentlemen. Officer Dave will join us right after this with the family. Tom here for my friends at Walzer Automotive Group with some exciting news. Walzer's rolling out Walzer Care on new and most used cars they sell in Minnesota. Well, Walzer Care is a powertrain warranty with coverage for 10 years or 150,000 miles. Powertrain coverage is like major medical coverage for your car. Engines, transmissions, all the really expensive stuff is covered. In addition, Walzer Care includes 24-hour roadside assistance. Lock your keys in your car, run out of gas, have a flat tire. Guess what? Walzer has your back. The best thing about Walzer Care, it's free with purchase. That's right, I said free. So, if you're shopping for a new or used Subaru, Honda, Nissan, Mazda, Toyota, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Hyundai, or Chevrolet, see my friends at Walzer and get Walzer Care for free. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. So what's the latest? Well, the latest is we're representing people who are injured through no fault of their own. Uh, people come to us, we talk to them about what their rights are. We talk to them about things that, you know, adjusters would call them up and ask them about. And we represent people in order to get them justice for the injured. And have been for a long time. Very, very successful, no question. I, I, you know, I do meet a lot of your clients. They come up to me on the street and whatever, and they talk about this, that, or the other thing. And they both say... Why do you guys hang out with Doug Sprinthal? <laughs> and I just had no answer for <laughs> He just looks away, you big baby. In any case, that's the whole deal. So people, they got any problem whatsoever, personal injury or other legal problems, whatever, they just reach out to Brad, Sean, Bryant. Yeah, Joe and I have both been president of the trial lawyers for the state. So we talk to people about all sorts of issues. The consultation is always free, and that's what we do. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean, Bryant. Boom, ba boom, ba boom, boom. We're rocking out with Fleetwood Mac, ladies and gentlemen. What do you think of that action? Let me know when Officer Dave's ready Need to go. Need more cowbell? Oh, there you go. <laughs> Is that your cowbell? That's your cowbell. And he just called in. Would you look at that? Oh, look at that timing, look ladies and gentlemen. Timing. Officer Dave, how are you? Hey, Tom. How are you? Doc, Catherine, Andy, how is everybody? Good. Good. Thanks for asking. How are you? I'm so, vertical. No, that's something. <laughs> I understand that it's National Fuzz Week. Is that right? A fuzz. Yeah, that's God. It. Why did they ever call cops the fuzz? As soon as you I never... said fuzz, I was like, wait a minute, what? And then I, I remember, yeah, it was the fuzz. I never I don't understood know. that. I don't, I don't, why are prison guards called screw? I don't know. And why, and why are French policemen called flicks? 
Apparently fuzz might just be a mispronunciation or corruption of the phrase the force, as in the police force. Instead of force. The force. The force. Oh, so the, like here Boston? comes the force. Mm-hmm. Basically. Like Boston, I bet you it was in Boston. Like... Force became fuzz. Yeah. That's that's yep, the... With a lot of things like that, we'll never really know, but that's the... Uh, that's the you know what I was told? Long and the short of it. In North Minneapolis, you know what I was told where it came from, and I'm not kidding? No. It's cops pick you up oh, by the fuzz. That was their explanation. Uh, <laughs> it's like, no, it's not because the cops pick you up by not. the fuzz, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that I like it. Force fuzz. That, that makes ACDC? sense. Indeed. Got you by the shorts and the curlies. Shorts and the curlies. That's exactly right. So what's going on for a cop week? So this year, in a non-normal, non-pandemic, crazy year, the uh, Minnesota Lima Law Enforcement Memorial Association, we do about 36 hours of. Um, Presentations, wreath links for all the fallen officers, announce every fallen officer's name, and walk us into the line at the state capitol grounds. Mm. This year, due to social distancing and the uh, mass hysteria that follows COVID-19, we are just going to do a simple presentation um, on Friday night at 7 o'clock. If you go to the Minnesota Lima Facebook page, uh, it will be shown there. And just it, we will be a read off of of all 289 names or whatever, and, and add the three new names for 2019 to to the list. Unfortunately, and just be a very respectful ceremony, that kind of stuff. And just encouraging everybody to take a take a look at it on Friday. I think it's a good plan. I, I was just talking to Kristen Bird. I don't know if you listened to the first hour or not, but she asked me why I was of watching. I well, good, thank God. But <laughs> I did love that show, Flashpoint, because it showed a very human side to cops. And that on most shows now, you see the sniper cop up in the uh, up on the the roof shoots and kills a suspect, blowing his brains out, and they just walk away like nothing happened. Well, that's not exactly. how cop, cops aren't like that's that at all. Not real life. Exactly. Exactly, Tom. So, yeah, it's just, if I could, I'm going to appreciate you. I know you're a huge supporter of us, and and uh, now that I'm part of the uh, Law Enforcement Memorial Honor Guard, it's it's kind of a, kind of near and dear to my heart even more so than before. You don't have to wear a sash, do you? I do not wear a sash, but I do have a really cool black uniform, yeah. Oh, you have a black uniform? Where'd they, where'd they find enough black material? You know, Tom, you're going to laugh. It took a year for me to get my... <laughs> I knew it! I knew it! <laughs> a year. Doc, you ever met uh, Officer Dave? No. Officer Dave, what size is your sports coat? 58. Wow. <laughs> and uh, Officer 58. Dave has zero grams of fat on his body. <laughs> oh, yeah. We did, we did uh, a whole but... segment one time about how hard it is for us to find clothes. Yeah. I, he wins. He, won. he definitely he won. wins. <laughs> yeah, size definitely 50. that. Well, how long, what, so is it 58 extra long? Yep, 58 long. <laughs> 58 long. 40, 40, 40 to 42-inch waist. Um, they took... Two separate fittings to bring my uh, jacket in. 
three inches every time in four different places <laughs> from the chest up. That's why I asked because I figured, well, how the hell did he ever get a uniform that fit? But it took him a year <laughs> to do it. <laughs> yep. That's hilarious. Yep. So where do you buy your clothes? I just, honestly, I wear Carhartt jeans and T-shirts and polo shirts, and that's pretty much my whole wardrobe. That's the deal. How about buying a suit? Do you have any suits? I do have a suit, yeah, at 58. It's, it, everything is custom. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, you yeah. just have to you have to buy large and have it cut down because you can't. can't exactly, yeah. yep. There's no other way to do yep. it. I think that's hilarious. Exactly. So it took him a year to get your uniform. To <laughs> I can, I can, I can send, I can send Andy a picture of me in my uniform if you want. Oh, I'd love to see it. I'd love to okay, see it. No I'll question about it. Ship it to Andy as soon as we're done. No question. I, I would love to see it. You and the mountain side by side. That'd be good. <laughs> I love that you know, guy. The, the, the paramedic uh, started calling me that when that show came out, and I was like, I've never watched the show, so I had no idea what it was all about. And I had to ask my daughter what it was. Do you have you ever seen the mountain? <laughs> I have not seen the mountain. Holy, no. he's like six eight, probably weighs four hundred and fifty pounds, and zero of it is fat. He just oh, deadlifted new world record eleven hundred and five pounds. Oh One, God, you do that, Tom. I, most I ever deadlifted was a little short of seven hundred, so about halfway there. <laughs> So, you said he's Icelandic or something. You yeah, thought? he's Icelandic. I, th- I think he's Icelandic. He's, he's definitely Scandinavian yeah. somewhere. Have you ever Have you ever watched the strongman competition? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Of those, those are like those guys are my heroes. How the hell did they get those huge concrete balls up on top of those pedestals? Mm-hmm. I will uh, never understand. I've got a top buddy of mine who does this amateur level stuff. Oh okay, but. I did it once, and it was like, oh, my gosh. It was just the technique and all that other stuff is just amazing, the stuff i got to do, how they do that stuff. Yeah, well, it is. He is Icelandic, and here's how Icelandic he is. Oh, no. His name is <laughs> Half Thor Bjornsson, and the man who refereed him when he lifted the 1,100 pounds was named Magnus Vermagnuson. <laughs> <laughs> so... Can't get a whole lot more Icelandic yeah. than that. Icelandic right there, no, maybe. definitely not. Yeah, definitely not. People might not know this, but in Iceland, men are John's son yeah, I would and be women named, are John's daughter. I'd be named Yeah. I'd be named Andy Thompson. Thompson. Mm-hmm. Andy Thompson, yep. yeah. Yep. There you go. Yes, and, the, and well, they used to be, it used to be a law that they had to continue on with the names because they want to keep their oh, is that right? Iceland still familial has very lines. strict naming well, laws. They're one of the very <laughs> few places that has been so, was so isolated for so long mm-hmm. that they didn't really have a lot of, Yeah, they, like they speak Old Norse, it's basically a lost yeah. language. It's its own language, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, that's kind of racist. Yeah, it's kind of racist, yeah. right, Officer Dave. <laughs> We're very upset. No, it's not. I just said, hey, how you no, doing? No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. I always think of the Swedish chef on the Muppets. The poor to fish in the pool. Exactly. That's when you could have fun with people. Now I'm spot. Yep. Well, that's offensive. Settle down. I was kidding. Officer Dave, i got to ask you a question. we only got about one minute left here, but I want to ask you a question. <laughs> Uh, three stories this morning. Not one, not two, but three stories this morning about people. One woman getting upset because she wanted to cut in line at Whataburger, 
and a, there, nobody let her, so she just rammed into a car, then got out of her car, took a belt buckle and scratched the entire side of the other woman's car over, over getting in line at Whataburger. There were two guys that got arrested because they started throwing furniture and tipping things upside down at a bar because they called last call. They wanted more booze. So those two guys acted like psychopaths. And there was a third incident where people got upset as hell and harmed others for no... Why are people... Do we need to get back to the day when you can just punch a guy in the face, Officer Dave? Tom, that sounds like the old Tom Bernard right there. <laughs> I think there you go. Oh, I think you should be able to slap people upside the head again too. without without being fearful are, of getting charged. Yeah, there is no consequences for anything. You've said it a million times. Well, that's um, true. There are no consequences for anything anymore. Oh, the, those three that kicked that woman and that Asian woman in the face over at the bus stop in St. Paul. Paul. Yeah, kicked her yep. right in the face. And for I no they 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 did find them. They are charged, but because they're juveniles, they're 15 years old. Unbelievable. They can't put their name. All right, so, Officer Dave, we'll have, oh, have a great one copper more thing. week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You talk about Mario Cuomo curling 100 pounds. Oh, yeah, Chris Cuomo. Oh, well, oh Chris, yeah. Chris Cuomo, that's, yeah, that's it. Yeah. I, do, I can do 60 pounds for reps, and it took me forever to get there. There so you go. If he's curling 100 pounds. That was just... <laughs> It was so fake. It was unbelievable. Oh, he's a, he's a very oh god. He's a he's it's a true. big fake. That's the problem. All right, All right. Well, we have to go. Um, I didn't realize you were so weak. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to you later, officer. Hi. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. Special guest coming up next: David Yuzik with the family. Tom Bernard here, and with me is the CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Tell me, Michael, I was reading on your website that one of your bankers has worked with a customer for more than 30 years. It's a long time for any business relationship. Is that common? Not only 30 years, but two generations. Our great client, Northland Fastening Systems. 30 years is definitely not common for a lot of bankers, but Brad has developed a relationship with that trusted customer that has allowed them to show steady growth every year they've been together. Building the relationship of trust is what we do best. It allows us to make quick deals that benefit them and all of our business customers. The cool thing is that it gives us a chance to be more than your banker, hopefully a partner, and maybe even a friend. I have never liked you, by the way. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience? Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Thanks, friend. And you are? <laughs> Real nice. Chuck Nabla. <laughs> Chuck Nabla. 2020 never looks so good. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. With 2020 upon us, it's time to ditch the contacts and pitch the glasses. Take it from me. It's one of the best things you can do for yourself in the new year. I've never looked back from having LASIK myself, and with Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, you can trust you're amongst the best in the business. Call 855-554-2020 or visit whitingclinic.com online to schedule your free LASIK consultation. The great people at Whiting Clinic will take fantastic care of you, just like they did for me. Call 855-554-2020 or visit whitingclinic.com online to schedule your free LASIK consultation. Imagine 2020 or better in 2020. And let 2020 be your best year yet with LASIK at Whiting Clinic. LASIK results may vary. Talk to your Whiting Clinic doctor about your individual outcome potential. Love it. 
Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. The giant killer, American hero, mercenary, spy, the incredible true story, the smallest man to serve in the U.S. military, Green Beret Captain J- Richard J. Flaherty, David Yuzik with us. How you doing, David? Doing great. How you doing? Marvelously well. We just went from talking to the largest police officer on earth, <laughs> our buddy Officer Dave, that who we is know of. massively strong, wears a size 58 sport coat, and he's not fat. I will tell you that. So Could have used him as a partner. Okay, yeah, there you go. Could, oh, you'd have loved him as a partner. He's a great cop, as a matter of fact. Uh, I want to hear all about Captain Richard, Green Beret Captain Richard J. Flaherty. How, how do you know about Captain Flaherty? Well, uh, I work in a small, I worked in a small city in Miami. I'm retired now, uh, 19 years. And I met him on the streets. He, he was homeless. Um, really? Yeah, we, we sort of, you know, anyone who's on the streets as police officers, we try to approach him and see what sort of help we can get him. Um, he didn't, he didn't need any immediate help and he kind of just wanted to do his own thing, but we struck up a friendship and that started meeting for coffee and meeting for sandwiches and uh, guy was a real intelligent guy. God, I'm just reading some of this stuff, David, that are very tremendously sad Ask too many questions, said Flaherty, and it could be bad for your career and dangerous to my health. And he died eight hours later. So so 15 years of friendship, and he certainly never let on. You know, he was four foot nine. Actually, his final medical examination showed he was four foot seven. So maybe let's call it in between four foot eight. Mm -hmm. But um, the summer 2015, 15 years of friendship, he drops the bomb on me saying hey it's time i tell you who i really am and as a cop you know we're like oh my god now what is he going to tell me (laughs) you know we're a skeptical bunch (laughs) the job will do it to you so uh, i'm like oh no so he said uh you know i'm the smallest man ever served in the military and became a green beret uh served in vietnam thailand won the silver star two bronze stars two purple hearts and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I felt really bad. I was like, well, if this, you know, delusion keeps him going during the day, and he certainly doesn't use any stolen valor, you know, I just, I didn't realize my friend was that bad off. But uh, I did go home that night, and I almost didn't check on the Internet, but I did. And stories about him popping up as being the smallest man, and stories about him being a, a suspected CIA agent throughout his life started popping up in newspaper articles, and... I was blown away. Wow. That is so amazing. What drove a four-foot-eight tall man to do the things that he did? That is a great question. Um, So when I started asking him about it, he said he had no interest in the military or anything early on in life. Um, He said that a couple of the guys from his neighborhood in Stanford, Connecticut, went over to Vietnam, and he didn't care. But uh, when they came back in, in, in boxes, uh, he wanted to know what happened to his friends, and, 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 you know, he finally cared. So they told him it was impossible. you got to be five feet tall to go in the military, 100 pounds, and he, didn't, he wasn't even close. And he doesn't – Richard Flaherty didn't believe in impossible. So he wrote for two years straight uh, letters to congressmen and senators, so they finally said, fine, here's a waiver, but you're not, you'll never make it through basic training. Right. And he didn't just make it through basic. He, he became – you know, he achieved the apostle of becoming a special forces captain. You know what's amazing about that, David, to me, is what an asset he must have been to the Green Beret because nobody in any situation would have ever thought 
that he had the position, the talent, all the things that he did have. That he, they would have just overlooked him completely, I would imagine. Yeah, 100%. I mean, there were so many obstacles, including the obstacles, but... You know, how do you carry 70 pounds on your back when you weigh 97? How do you jump out of an airplane? You know, when he jumped out of the airplane, they used to strap um, machine gun parts to him because he was so light, he would float for hours. (laughs) (laughs) So they would strap machine gun parts on his legs, hoping that he would come down, but sometimes he didn't, you know? That's phenomenal. it, It was quite a ride for him. So the sad we got to get to the sad part David how did how did Mr. Flaherty end up homeless Yeah So so that that is a a, a combination of things and and there's a new thing that I I'm attributing it to Let let's start with number 1 is a thing called the rift the reduction in force so 1972 I'm sorry um yeah 1972 1975 they started reducing the size of our military and unfortunately the officers are the first ones to get the pinch. So, um, you know, his, his career was ended short by the military when made him disgruntled. Uh, he lost, he, you know, he fought his first battle in Vietnam was in the Tet Offensive. Oh. It was a pretty tough fight to yeah. be your first battle as a platoon leader. Um, and they lost a lot of men. So I think it always haunted him, uh, not him getting killed, but, you know, that he didn't bring all his men back. Mm. You know, he... There's certainly a lot of evidence of people who uh, can attribute to how you know much that that, that got to him. Uh, and then the new thing I'm, I'm going to attribute is, is uh, they're they're talking about tra- traumatic brain injuries. Oh, and he was yeah. certainly blown up a couple of times. So you you put all those pieces together um, on top of the fact that once he got out of the military, uh, he was just that funny little dwarf people used to make fun of again. Oh. Nobody cared of what yeah. he did or what he did for his country. He was once again just just the, the butt of everyone's joke. Uh, so I, I would say it's a bunch of things. Yeah, it sounds like it. Now, you said you uh, you were uh, a cop in the Miami area, is that right? Yeah, 19 years. Yeah. I hear a little Boston in there. Are you from? No, ma'am. That's no? Brooklyn. 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 <laughs> Sorry. No, no, ma'am. Okay. No way. No I heard, Boston. I heard, a, I, heard a little, I heard a little East Coast for East Coast. I was like, You're mixing your I, East Coast metaphors. I am. Sorry. Yeah, I lost I lost my accent. And maybe I'm as phony as a tree dollar bill. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There you go, right. That does now help. we're back at home right there, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> So uh, what you said it was in a uh, small town by Miami. Well, it's inside of a, uh, Miami. It, the city is called Aventura, and no oh, Aventura, yeah, sure, sure. Broken up into a bunch of little jurisdictions, so we're about a hundred and nine man police force. Uh, so uh, that and that's that's where he lived and died. He lived in our city. He lived under a tree, and unfortunately, um, I think you were alluding to earlier was after uh, after he told me. The, the, the revelation over uh, lunch, uh, it took me a couple of days to track down the undercover agent that he was warning me not to contact. He's saying it's da- you know dangerous for your career and bad for my health. So I did find the agent, and uh, he did confirm everything Flaherty told me. And then eight hours after that call, Richard gets killed in a hit and run. Oh, uh, God. So oh. It, it, was, it was pretty sad. That's extremely sad. How are you dealing with that? Are you, I mean, it sounds like you guys became friends. Yeah, it was, you know, so what happened, the, the story goes that after, you know, I learned all this stuff about him, I did approach him and I said, hey, Richard, 
you know, I want to do like some sort of story on your life, a documentary, a book, something. Um, and he said, yeah, just make me three promises. I said, okay, promise number one, we start it, you finish it. I said, you got that promise. Promise number two, don't look into the undercover stuff, which unfortunately I did. <laughs> promise number three is if this gets made into a movie, his quote is, Three million, and Brad Pitt has to play him. In it. <laughs> there you go. It's not a bad choice, actually. He must cut. He must have cut. Uh, Richard must cut quite a fine figure if you if if uh, Brad Pitt would be the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it would be beyond lucky. Why? Yeah. Why do you think it is he didn't want you to look at the undercover stuff? Just because? Well, um, he, he claimed that that case made a lot of enemies. Um, that, that and and it is true when when you look at the documentation now. It's very controversial because the case was about a bunch of other Green Berets that were stealing, allegedly stealing, well, they, they were convicted, so not allegedly, stealing tons of weapons out of Fort Bragg. So they oh. worked undercover with the ATF. But if you look at the newspaper articles and what the defendant said, they all claim that that was a CIA operation to get weapons down to the Sandinistas in Central America. So um, it, it's, it's, there's a lot of gray areas in Richard's life. Yeah, sure sounds like it, ladies and gentlemen. The book is called The Giant Killer, an American Hero, Mercenary Spy, the Incredible True Story of the Smallest Man to Serve in the U.S. Military, Green Beret Captain Richard J. Flaherty. Uh, David Yuzik uh, with us uh, today. I would say this, David, there are so many things that we could have gotten there. People, you need to buy the book and read the book because there are many, many more things that came up in the descriptor of the book that we couldn't even get to some great questions about his decommission, him, him being decommissioned, all kinds of things. So, David, we're going to have to have you back and talk more about this book. It's really, really interesting. Thank you so much, and I'd love to be back. I'll, you know, Listen, this isn't just all about tragedy. You know, you got to celebrate the guy's life, and I, I like that we, we, you know, we were solemn when we had to, but we laughed when we should. That's exactly right. And by the way, that was my lovely wife that insulted you by saying you were a Bostonian. <laughs> That's not a problem. Just don't, have, just don't have your buddy Big Dave looking for me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Hey, I don't want him looking for me either. I'm right there with you. Thank you, David. Have a great day, sir. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Bye. Bye. What a story. What yeah. a story. Yeah. We will be back. Another guest coming up next with the family. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. Northern Metal Fab right off the interstate in Baldwin, Wisconsin is a custom job shop specializing in large-scale projects. Northern Metal Fab is now hiring for all positions, including welders, painters, and inspectors, to provide quality craftsmanship to their customers. Northern Metal Fab is growing, and their growth is your opportunity. Northern Metal Fab offers competitive pay, excellent benefits, and more. Apply online today at nmfinc.com. That's nmfinc.com. Northern Metal Fab is an equal opportunity employer. Do 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 Oh, is it Riders on the Storm? I heard the storm. Must be Riders on the Storm, no question about it. Little news, you're not getting an answer. He's connecting him. 
Oh, he's connecting them. Oh, good. He's connecting. I'm glad to hear it. Magnificent. Uh, an <laughs> evening with Barry Corbin, an evening uh, where he'll show film clips and do uh, Q&A. This, of course, will be way, way in the future when the world is able to put groups of people together again. So everything that Barry does uh, has been put on. sounds like it's been put on hold for now in any case. And uh, a couple of things we heard today already. Uh, one place talking about the end of July. Another place is talking about uh, after Labor Day what opening up. What do you mean, up. states? <clears throat> no, businesses. Oh, businesses. What was it that was opening up after Labor Day that Kristen was talking about? I don't know. Can't remember. Oh, well, yeah, you uh, Broadway. Heard. She was speaking of Broadway, yeah, Broadway in general. <clears throat> Broadway in general. Broadway in general is not going to open until yeah. the second week in September. Oh, I'm, yeah, because, well, first of all, how are they going to... How are they going to make any money if they can't fill the seats? And, and they're not going to be able to fill the seats. Is, no. is there a peak season for Broadway? Isn't it fall, winter? Yeah. You'd think, yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. You're you would right. think fall there and winter Broadway would be the peak season. season. You would think so in any case, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yeah. But, you know. Go see Hamilton. Man, I've heard a couple of the songs that didn't impress me. Hamilton? Yeah. I have no interest in seeing Hamilton at all. I have a friend who's, who has seen it maybe seven times. She can't get enough of it. Ooh. Patty. Patty's seen it seven she times. She is madly in love with that. I know Michelle Tafoya saw it and said she loved it. Everybody says it's great. <clears throat> they say the song, oh, the music is wonderful. I've heard some of the music. I go, this is true. I agree with you. I thought the music was terrible. Really? I don't know. So basically, uh, I don't know what to tell you. <clears throat> what can I tell you, ladies and gentlemen? Well, you don't like musicals in general, so... What? You don't really like musicals in general. I don't like so. musicals anyway. That's true. That I've yeah, yet to see a musical I like. Not your genre. Yeah, even West Side Story. When I was a kid, I was like, why are they singing and dancing around? The thugs <laughs> in my neighborhood don't do much singing and dancing. I'll tell you. You have that. to embrace the. You just have to embrace Suspension the experience. Suspension of disbelief. Exactly. You just we got to Barry. Let it go. Barry Corbin might know. Barry, how are you? Oh, I was just talking about. What was the question? I'll answer your question. You know what? I got to tell you up front, Barry. I'm a huge fan of yours. Just the way you deliver your lines, I love it. Well, thank you. It's absolutely true. Uh, we we're just talking about uh, as a kid, and I don't know what, what what my problem is, but I've never liked musicals. We were talking about going to a musical. It's like, but the problem for me, Barry, is I grew up in a very poor neighborhood, so I go to see West Side Story as a little boy, like eight years old, something like that. And I went, none of the thugs in my neighborhood dance around and sing. What's this all about? So it may have ruined yeah, they music. They didn't do that much. They didn't do that much in my neighborhood either. <laughs> so you're not a big fan of musicals yourself? I, I well, I've done musicals. I, I don't. I like them all right. But, uh, no, it, it does seem a little odd that they break into song and dance at the, at the most peculiar moment. <laughs> <laughs> that is an absolute like fact. In the knife fight, you don't do that during the knife fight. <laughs> yeah, dancing and singing while you're stabbing someone. Uh, Barry, are you going to be able to get out on the road? Is there any projection on when you might be able to show film clips and do a Q and A's again? Is that ever going to happen in the we've future? Got, we've got no idea. I don't know. I just I've been watching these. Uh, I've been switching back and forth from CNN to Fox, and. Uh, I'm trying to figure out something, something to do where they agree, but they, they never do. Oh, my I God, Barry. I do the same thing. I bounce from, from Fox to CNN to MSNBC, and 
basically it's all everything sucks, everything's horrible, you should be terrified, you should feel horrendous because everybody sucks. It's yeah, it's unwatchable. Uh, I'm I'm very happy in my life. I I don't know what anybody else is doing, but it uh, I'm I'm just uh, I'm I'm taking a break, feeling happy about it. Yeah, isn't that a wonderful thing? There's no doubt about it. Uh, and ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know Barry Corbin's name, you definitely know Barry Corbin because uh, you've seen him in everything over the years. Urban Cowboy, Stir Crazy, Northern Exposure, Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. I mean, the whole shooting match. You're, you're that perfect guy for those roles, aren't you? Yeah, now I'm everybody's father. <laughs> <laughs> now you're everybody's dad. <laughs> I'm about to be everybody's grandfather. Yeah, well, you and I are, are shoulder to shoulder on that one. I understand that completely, but I, I just an evening with Barry Corbin. Uh, so, what's it all? How'd you put it together, Barry? What's it all about? Well, uh, I just uh, I, I don't know. I, I was uh, I, I used to go to these B Westerns uh, in La Mesa, Texas, and I thought, well, I could do that. And then I, I started looking at it, and I thought the sidekicks had a lot more fun than the, than the heroes did. The mm-hmm. heroes were always clean. And they had to change clothes all the time. The, uh, the sidekick just looked, uh, he wore the same clothes, and they were dirty, and they got all the laughs. So I thought, well, that's what I want to do. And uh, then I, I just never grew up, I guess. I didn't never change my mind. I, I ended up in New York and uh, was there for fifteen years, I guess, and did all uh, work all over in, in uh, theater, in dinner theater, in uh, regional theater, Broadway, off Broadway, whole deal. And then went to California and starved there for a while, and then. Uh, got a movie called Urban Cowboy and that kind of kicked me off. So yeah. Here I am. And now, of course, you and uh, your wife live, uh, you live on a ranch in Fort Worth, so you're kind of living the dream, you're the, the Barry Corbin dream, I bet, huh? Well, I don't have any livestock anymore. We got rid of that, but uh, I'm uh, I'm not living on the, uh, I did have 15 acres in town, which I had some cattle and horses on, but I've moved now, and I'm in. The, I don't have any livestock. I don't have anything like that. I, I'm I'm free to go anywhere I want to go. Yeah, that is part of owning a ranch, isn't it? If you own yes. a ranch and it's a working ranch, you can't go anywhere. That's mm-hmm. very true. Yeah, well, I had my my daughter was running it uh, when I was when I was off working. You know, she'd take care of it, do all the uh, all the work, and then sometimes we'd have somebody come in and. Uh, I'd let them keep their horse there if they'd take care of mine while I was gone. The cattle pretty much take care of themselves unless you're having a drought, you know, so it's uh, it's not that hard. But, uh, Barry, i got to ask you a question. Uh, when you call when you call uh, a restaurant for takeout and you're ordering all your food and you're going to, you know, go come pick it up and all the rest of it, in the middle of the order, do people go, is this Barry Corbin? <laughs> They got to recognize. Well, I don't. You. I don't order anything. My my, my wife or my daughter does <laughs> that. <laughs> but people must recognize your voice all the time. I would think. Oh yeah, that's all they recognize. They don't know who I am. They just they know they, they hear me. Because I I do a uh, I do the the uh, 
liners on the radio station here in Fort Worth, so a lot of them recognize me from that. Well, you have a very unique voice from all the movies mm-hmm. you've been in. Like I said, the second you started talking about that, Barry Corbin, ladies and gentlemen. Like I said, I've been a big fan of yours for years. You're kind of like, and you know what? It's kind of interesting that you said, I don't want to be the star. I want to be that guy that's having all the fun on the side. You do play that role very, very well, so you, you embraced it because you wanted to be that character. I, I think that's terrific. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's the, I, I've got the perfect deal. Another one. I did Lonesome Dove, and I had the best part in the show. I, I came in and worked the first uh, three weeks, and then I went away and uh, did uh, uh, two or three other movies, and then came back and finished up the movie. When I started out, everybody was real happy and looking forward to, to working on it. When I came back, they were all mad and wanted to fight each other. <laughs> So I asked uh, Tim Scott, who played P.I. in the thing, I said, well, what, what happened, Tim? He said, cattle drive. So uh, I had, uh, I, I, the reason I had the best part of the show was because I had a nice little part, and I never saw a cow. I just rode my horse through the woods, uh, had a good time. I think it's a wonderful way. Came back and did it and got killed. So that was that was a good part. I understand completely, Barry. You got to get you got to come to town with an evening with Barry Corbin. We'd love to have you in studio when you get here. It's got to got to be in the near future, no doubt, right? You bet. Yeah, I'd love to. All right, Mr. Corbin, thanks for your time today, sir. An evening with Barry All Corbin. Right. We'll let you know. We'll reach out again when things open up, Barry. Thank you, sir. Okay, I sure appreciate it. We appreciate having you on, sir. Thank you. Thanks a lot. That's going to do it. We'll talk to you tomorrow with the family.